Welcome, fellow traveler. You are now listening to the Tent Theology Podcast. Each week, we have a tent talk where we pursue the renewing of the Christian social and political imagination. We've got a real treat for you today, listeners. It's a project that I've been working on for the last few months, and it's finally coming to fruition. And I have to say, it's one of the most fun things I've done in my very short podcasting career so far. A few months ago, Avi Feingold got in touch. Avi is a rabbi in Montreal, and he had been looking for somebody to partner with to create a podcast series where a Jewish rabbi asks a Christian theologian anything he wants about Christianity, and the Christian theologian gets to ask the Jewish rabbi anything he wanted about Judaism. The result is The Hyphen, a podcast produced by the Jewish Living Lab. The Hyphen is a podcast which explores the connection in the Judeo-Christian worldview. Over the course of the series of podcasts, you will hear me and Avi become friends, listen to each other, argue with each other, have good old discussions, and quite generally enjoy the company across the divide. We're publishing the first episode of The Hyphen on the Tent Theology stream, but after that, you can go and subscribe anywhere you find your podcasts. Just search for The Hyphen, Jewish Living Lab, and you'll find us. All right, friends, I hope you enjoyed this episode. It was a joy to make, and we will continue our regularly scheduled programming next week. But until then, enjoy Avi Feingold and Stephen Backhouse. Welcome to Hyphen, a podcast about what Jews need to know about Christianity and what Christians need to know about Judaism. I'm Avi Feingold, a rabbi and educator in Montreal, Canada. And I'm Stephen Backhouse, a writer and theologian living in England. Each episode, we aim to have a conversation with each other and help the other understand the basics of our respective faiths. From what Hasidic Judaism is to how Easter is celebrated, we hope to learn about how we live in our faiths. We don't want to convert each other, and we don't want to convert any of you. We just want to explore the hyphen in Judeo-Christian. Hello. Yeah. Oh, look, we're quite... Are we allowed to swear on this, Abby? What's the what's our policy? I think so. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, people are going to hear it, but uh, let's uh, let's not censor ourselves, but let's not not censor ourselves. I once got carried <laughs> away. Uh, do, do you ever heard of the church... Uh, HT. Have you heard of the Alpha Course before? So I yes, course? Graham talks about the Alpha Course a lot. All right. So our our mutual friend Graham, who's a a, a, vic, a priest in Montreal, the Alpha Course is like an introduction to Christianity course, and it was started by a big church in London called Holy Trinity, Brompton, which is an area of London called Brompton. So HTB is like this big church, and they have a big staff, and they're very influential, and. Uh, they have lots and lots of little micro satellite churches that they've planted all over the place. And I was once invited to speak to the whole HTB leadership team. And there were like 40 people in the room and they're all like holders to the keys to the kingdom. And I was talking and I give my thing and I got a bit carried away and I dropped the F-bomb <laughs> in front of <laughs> And it cost me some uh, some clients that day, I can tell you. <laughs> I, yeah. So it's then I had other people come up to me going, that was the best thing I ever heard. That was brilliant. So I don't know. The uh, You almost called Graham a vicar. Yes. 
So you see, that's the core of what we're trying to do. That's here. part of the joy of what we're going <laughs> to dig down, Abby. Uh, as an example, so so for those of you who don't know, this is a, a new podcast. Uh, we're calling it The Hyphen. Um, we put that in the top of the show. Um, and we're just, uh, we want to talk about uh, what Jews need to know about Christianity and what Christian, Christians need to know about Jews. And, you know, that's a great example. What's a vicar? <laughs> a vicar is an Anglican, which I'm sure we'll get into, an Anglican word for a priest or a mm -hmm. pastor. And it comes from being the vicar or uh, when you're vicarious, right? When you oh. speak for someone or when you stand in the place of someone, you're being vicarious. I, so the I vicar the is, I never knew the etymology. is the one who is uh, standing in the place of the people before God. Interesting. So yeah. the, the Catholics call the Pope the vicar of Christ though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so the same, Anglicans, yeah. it's the same thing, same idea, but the Anglicans, when the Anglican church started back in the day, for, for reasons I'm sure we'll get into, uh, that's yeah. one of the language they adopted for to, instead of calling them their people priests because that was very Roman Catholic, they called their people vicars instead. Yes, and and that's a word that Jews who are very big fans of Monty Python know. Vicar, right. the vicar, the vicar <laughs> arrived. Exactly, it's very English, and there, there's an English uh, cliche here called "morty vicar," like it's this phrase you would use when you're trying to sound prim and proper. In there you go. So, yeah. so yeah, so the purpose of this is really to, to get an understanding that there, there are words, there are ideas, there are theologies, there are holidays, um, there are histories that we don't know about our respective, you know, cultures. I'm an Orthodox rabbi. Uh, I'm, I'm Jewish. I, uh, I identify as, you know, in, in the traditional Orthodox approach. Um, Stephen, you are a, an Anglican. You are a theologian. Uh, you are not a clergy member. I'm a doctor of uh, theology, but I am not ordained into the church as a clergy person. That's right. True. And so, so the difference is in how one gets ordained, right, yeah. as, a, as, a, as a Jew versus a, an Anglican. Right. So these are the types of things that we want to be asking. So I'm a rabbi. You are a uh, a theologian for for, yeah. for, for short, um, and uh, the purpose is going to be to discuss what these things are and where uh, we can find not necessarily common ground, but at least common understanding, um, both from the early days of the church, the early days of the Bible, um, yeah. all the way through history. Um, what are the ideas? What are the holidays? What do we need and to know to be better people? We're linked, aren't we, by this hyphen, aren't we? The Judeo-Christian it's always in one breath. It's always said yes. the Judeo-Christian tradition and the judeo Although you've never, I've never met a Judeo-Christian, right? Somebody wants no, to. No, exactly. It's <laughs> like, we're joined together at the hip, mate. We got to, we got to work this out. We got to, we got to figure out what's going on because in lots of people's minds, we are connected already. So we might as well figure out what this means. <laughs> and it's funny because if you think about it, um, the Judeo in the Judeo-Christian is really there to give cover to Christians to go and say, Oh yo yeah, yeah no no it's not just about it's not just about Christianity here right pan faith you know traditions this is Judeo Christian right okay. and now we've expanded that to go and now now you don't even hear Judeo Christian where you hear Abrahamic okay. yeah Abrahamic right? to to be really encompassing that's true right we got to cover everybody that comes from that yeah. general region of the world um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so we are linked. We very much are linked. We have a shared history. We, um, you know, up until 2000 years ago, we, we were one people. Yeah. And how that, that split happened is fascinating, both to Jews and Christians. It tells Christians about their Christianity. It tells Jews about their Judaism. Um, and I want to explore that. 
Yeah, this is just such a fascinating and fun. It's just fun when it really comes down to it. Yeah. And and we're not trying to convert each other. We are not. That is that is important. I as think as soon that as you convert to Christianity, <laughs> Abby, this podcast stops immediately. <laughs> do I get a refund? Well, how, how does that work? Do you, do you get bonus points? Who converts who first? Isn't like... exactly. But there's some bet. There's some poll or a bet to, about who's going to convert first. Isn't that Job? So much isn't that, the, isn't that the whole book of Job? The whole book of Job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly see we have lots of shared points of common um yeah like the whole dialogue isn't it it's like um either it's usually some kind of uh conflict resolution the dialogue between different religious groups or it's some kind of exercise in argument and persuasion and and evangelism or conversion right so it's it's interesting to try and do something different where we're not trying to yeah. do either of those things it's it's just understanding um yeah and yeah. It's not just teaching somebody who comes from a blank slate, right? Oftentimes when you're teaching Judaism and I'm approaching Judaism right. as a, you know, come into a class to teach diversity and they, oh, here's the rabbi. He's going to teach us about Judaism, right? Oftentimes people come are coming from nothing, right? It's nuns. I don't have a, a faith tradition to, come yes. to, to base my ideas on. Yeah. Um, but people that have a deep Jewish faith or a deep Christian faith um, have a lot of common language that doesn't always map one-to-one, but is going to be a good frame of reference for being able to discuss these things. So what we've done is we've generated a lot of questions. We have, we have. How did you generate your questions that you put down on? I was lazy in that I I waited for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then... And then I was like, oh, the the Jewish equivalent of these questions is these. (laughs) (laughs) I, I wrote a lot of them that are just my questions and then i did a little poll and i did ask some friends of mine like what would you if you could ask your rabbi anything what would you ask your rabbi yeah, about so yeah. i did some of that <laughs> but it just seems um, like a fun uh exercise to begin with right so how do yeah. you want to start boss this is um look i mean i think that we should spend uh, some time today uh just sort of getting a sense of what this could look like and what are the types yeah. of questions and what are the types of you know areas that we should be examining yeah and take it from there um you know and uh so i what we're we had created this shared document for ourselves um when you sort of looked at it after we sort of uh, approached it was there any like takeaways in the big picture about this um well one thing i thought was there are some like Potent, there's some big elephants in the room, right? Like some some stuff that's, it's not just an intellectual curiosity. Like when we start talking about some of this stuff, it's like front page news. When we talk about um, conspiracy, th- anti-Semitic conspiracy theories that are like actually powerful in America right now, mm-hmm. or the whole like Zionism and the occupied territories and Palestine, mm-hmm. like there's some stuff that's like a big deal. Yeah. And, and then there's other stuff that's just kind of like intellectual, like curiosity, like what's a vicar? And, and uh, are you offended if I say Old Testament rather than the Hebrew scriptures and those kind of questions? And I, I kind of wondered, like, how are we going to do this? Are we going to go straight for the big ones or are we going to build up our, our <laughs> are we going to flavor the big questions with, uh, with little dollops of sweeties every once in a while? Or do you want to build up? a relationship and a rapport or do you want to go straight for the big guns? How do you want to do this? So it's weird because I ended up like my takeaways were much more topical in the sense of like, there are big questions across the board. 
and yeah. you'll hit all of them. But I was like, you know, looking at all the questions, they sort of came up in three broad categories, okay. right? Okay. Um, they were questions about the Bible that we have with each other, right? right. It goes starting from, you know, Old Testament versus Hebrew Bible, New yeah, Testament yeah. to uh, what are acts, right? Versus gospels versus right. epistles, right? Yeah. Letters, yeah. right? It's the fancy word, right? You say the vicar wrote- And I was like, what's the Tanakh <laughs> and the, what's the difference between the Tanakh, Tanakh and the Torah, Torah and things like yeah. that? And yeah. episodes within the Bible, right? You know, yeah. Um, yeah. are there things that, um, you know, uh, a good example of that was uh, how Christians aren't always aware of the Jewish holidays that show up in the life of Jesus as he's going through Jerusalem. Yeah, right. Right, and how that affects their understanding of the of the text. So, yeah. so there was Bible. Um, there was history. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, how did we get to where we are? What? Yeah. Yeah. You where know, did if, Protestants if, come from? Yeah. Where did Protestants come from? Right. That. Martin Luther, right? Didn't did, wasn't he in the civil rights movement? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And and uh, I and I was asking about the different. <laughs> yes, exactly. I was asking like, what 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 do Reformed Jews think about Orthodox Jews, and what's mm -hmm. the difference? And yeah, all these kind of things that you probably just it's just you take for granted, but from an outsider yeah. looking same, in, I'm like, same idea. Yeah, just don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then the, the third one was the day-to-day, -day, right? What, what, yeah. What's a vicar? What's Advent, right? Somebody asked me that one recently because right. they, they kept seeing in the grocery store the Advent calendars. Yeah, right. Right. I, I don't know what's Advent. It's 25 days before Christmas or what is that celebrate? Yeah, Great. Right. <laughs> so? <laughs> yeah. Right. That's uh, good. And I'm also interested in, I don't know where this one comes in, but like your personal, I don't know if you want to talk about this, but like your personal experience of spirituality your personal experience of god or your relationship to judaism yeah so that's i think not, not in mean, an intellectual level but like for in sure a personal level. Um, yeah, and i think that that depends on where one comes from i i, I would venture to say that a hasidic individual in the 16th in the sorry in the 18th century would have a very different personal experience of spirituality than i would it's very important right. for me to be able i can articulate mine but everybody has their own yeah. Right. Experience of spirituality. And I think that I'm sure it'll come up and what we what we think of and what we believe in yeah. terms of our experience. Of, uh, I mean, we're not neither of us are speaking for the whole. We're, we're just we're just single members of, of a much bigger and weirder tradition than. Yeah, I, <laughs> we can't I would speak for everyone. I would be very hesitant to say anything if I knew yeah. that I was being held to whatever I was saying as. Uh, yeah. the gospel truth, no, no pun <laughs> exactly. intended. Exactly. Um, yeah. And yeah, yeah I, uh, what the, the, the caveat then, I guess, is that we, we speak on our, for ourselves, we will make mistakes. If you hear them, you should call us out on them and we will have a, an episode at the end of all the errata that we've come up with um, that we should <laughs> insert or we will creatively like edit out all of them with new fact data angel. exactly yeah um, yeah so what is so, yeah, your that's, you know go ahead oh i was gonna say like what is your um credentials or what it, like where, where have you where how so do you come I, into this world of it's very interesting my story Jewish christian oh uh, the the jewish christian thing um, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I thought you. Or why are you a teacher? I mean, you're you're a rabbi. You're I'm a, teacher. a rabbi. You, you, um, I came into being a rabbi classes. semi by accident. Uh, there was uh, a a cohort of us. We were about eight students. We uh, really liked being uh, studying with a certain rabbi in, in Montreal here, uh, and uh, we we ended up wanting to study for ordination, and he agreed. 
and we were one cohort of eight students and uh, eight, give or take. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, sadly, a couple of years later, he passed away. So we were the only cohort of people that he grad- that he ordained as rabbi. Um, okay. So I became a rabbi just because I was studying with these people. And I was like, oh, you know, credentials don't hurt, right? If I'm going to go and teach high school, which I had been doing already, I should go and, you know, do this. So, okay. you know, I, I started that, I did that. And then that just naturally so morphed no into being there's... an educator. There is, I mean, there are definitely seminaries. We, I was okay. more the exception than the rule. Most people, okay. the vast majority of people who become rabbis go to one of the major denominational uh, rabbinical schools and they study oh, okay. anywhere from three to five years um, you know, a very specific course of study about what it is that you're supposed to study. Uh, often, yeah. Much of it is legal, but nowadays, especially because they recognize that uh, rabbis are, you know, ministers and they minister to people and therefore they should be, uh, you know, ordained uh, and learn about pastoral issues. They should learn about homiletics. They should learn about sermon yeah. writing. They should yeah. learn about, you know, counseling issues, introduction, introductory issues around those things. I didn't have much of that because it was a more specific legal. um, There were definitely a lot of wisdom that was taught in the interstices of, you know, uh, of the studies. Um, But, but it was much more focused on this, on that. Um, Virtually everybody else I know went and became the rabbi in the the more traditional approach. And, uh, you know, I guess I was always interested in other cultures and other religions. I studied other religions in university. um, And, you know, at some point it became really natural to me to to be asking and having these conversations with people. And we should say from, for the benefit of the listener, this has all happened in Montreal where you live now? Uh, Yeah. So for a period of about 10 years, I was in the U.S. Uh, I did go to, uh, to the University of Chicago Divinity School. Uh, I will be. Yeah. Um, And, uh, you know, but but for the most part, I did spend most of my time in Montreal. Stephen, you spent time in Montreal here. Uh, Tell me about your journey. So I I did my I mean, from a from a credential academic point of view, I uh, I did an undergraduate in theology and philosophy at Oxford in England. And then I did my at McGill in -hmm. religious studies. So my theology training was all exclusively Christian, like it was Christian theology. But then at, at McGill, it was a religious studies degree, which was different. So it wasn't, um, they weren't denominational, they weren't, they weren't just churning out Christian thinkers. So there was, uh, I mean, a rabbi was my academic dean. And uh, there was a, a, a Buddhist scholar who was my supervisor. So it was a much different environment. But I studied a Christian philosopher at McGill named Kierkegaard, Soren Kierkegaard, a Danish philosopher. Mm -hmm. And then I went back to England and did my doctorate again back at Oxford. And I did it on Kierkegaard, specifically on, I used Kierkegaard to look at the the, uh, phenomenon of nationalism, Christian nationalism. And uh, of which there is, that doesn't exist at all anymore. That's totally irrelevant today. (laughs) There's no Christian nationalist left. Um, And I did that about 10, 15 years ago. And now, and now it's that was by the, by the way one of my formative film. as an undergrad i believe mm-hmm. i remember reading the sickness unto death and uh oh very good and it really affecting me and realizing that there was a lot of uh connections in terms of the thought as a jew versus yes. a, as a christian yes i i mean kierkegaard was deeply immersed in hebrew scriptures he considered abraham i mean famously his book fear and trembling was all about yeah, abraham absolutely and Isaac, yeah and, and it was and it's a very kind of deep reflection on that and but uh, yeah, so then I, but then I ended up, because I had my doctorate, 
the career path that's marked out for somebody like that is to then teach at a seminary, which is like a, a, a training college for mm-hmm. pastors. <laughs> and, uh, and I worked for the Anglican church, which is the church of England, which is the, the church that it's not run by the state. I'm sure we'll talk about this. Like it doesn't get any money from the state, but it is the kind of official religious body of, of the state of England. And they have, the church of England has a church in every, every parish in the land is divided up and there's a church in every parish. And so they have to create a lot of vicars for that job. Uh, and I, I was one of the people helping to create all the vicars. And I did that for about 10 years. And then I'm tired of just creating vicars because the church of England isn't, that's not the reason I got up out of bed in the morning. Um, and so I went freelance and now I'm a freelance theologian, uh, churches and groups and businesses will hire me to come and help them think Christianly or theologically about what they're doing and how they do it. Mm-hmm. My, so uh, that's what I do. My wife used to hate, I used to refer to myself as a, uh, as a Torah gigolo. <laughs> I, I come in, I <laughs> she teach. Didn't like and that. I, she, she's like, you can't say that. It just doesn't work. <laughs> no, I said, I, you know, we'll, we'll teach Torah pay, for money. Yeah. For exactly. <laughs> that's all I do. I'm a freelancer. <laughs> Um, so I switched to a uh, Torah ninja, right? I come yeah. in and I leave. <laughs> Ducking and diving. And so, and, and do you run like, are they kind of informal schools or, or are you, do you, do you run stuff that's accredited? Do, do no, people... there's no accreditation. Um, people no, right. learn more about their Judaism and, uh, I'm here to offer that. And that's what I do. Um, so, so you're a rabbi, but you don't have a congregation that you are. Yeah. To. And you're a theologian and you don't have a congregation either. And you're not a vicar. Exactly. You never so chose to make that leap to switch around and be- yeah. training the vicars to becoming a vicar. Are there any, are there any people running synagogues who aren't rabbis? Um, so in the 70s, there was a movement um, that uh, arose uh, out of the 70s, clearly, that was referred to as the Chavurah movement. Chavurah means a, a okay. group of individuals, um, a grouping of people. Chavur means friend. So almost a group of friends and a group of people. Okay. And, uh, they deliberately chose to be non-rabbinically led as a community. Okay. And to go and say, we are a, a, a uh, you know, collectively led, we don't have a rabbi, we don't want to be that those types of people. Um, so that okay. is definitely that exists as in like, you know, leaderless communities. Um, right. Are there communities that are led, like in, in a traditional sense of being led by people that aren't ordained? Um, there are definitely congregations that I've seen that have cantors, although cantors can be, set, be seen as some sort of ordination. Um, okay. There are definitely, especially once you get to the, the really orthodox the world where most people are very familiar with familiar enough with the liturgy that they can all lead prayers themselves where you'll find small prayer groups you know okay right you know emerge and people well who's your rabbi well we don't have a rabbi we don't need a rabbi we just do prayers together and that's it right okay um but in the traditional sense of a congregation most people assume that they need some sort of rabbinic leadership yeah okay and but it's not so like in some versions of christianity like roman catholicism and some Hot, we call it high Anglicans. The the closer to Rome you are as an Anglican, um, not geographically. Yeah, you mean yeah. uh, like ideologically, <laughs> or, uh, and and the the height is the, a high Anglican is somebody who puts a really high value on the the communion, the Eucharist, the mm-hmm. the wine and the bread, mm-hmm. and and in that theology, 
and that practice it's like only the priest can administer that like mm -hmm. it's um there's an actual sort of difference it's not just like whoever happens to be in charge or, or even teaching the like i couldn't i'm a teacher but i could not administer the mm -hmm. communion is yeah. there anything like that in um, so it's actually very interesting. There, there are things that people assume only rabbis can do. Okay. Very few people would ever get married without a rabbi officiating right. or right. officiate at a funeral um, or preside over, you know, a lot of these life cycle events. And a lot of those do not necessarily need a rabbi per se to do it. What ends up happening is because oftentimes these are very uh, technically legal, legally technical sort of mm -hmm. things there, you know, well, maybe the rabbi should do it just in case to make sure that everybody is, you know, married properly or buried properly or all these things. And at the end of the day, there's no legal requirement for it. There's precious little that would say that requires ordination okay. in okay. order to, to do, um, because ordination was generally seen as just a teaching uh, thing. Yeah. It was an opportunity yeah. to present and teach to somebody um, in that way. Um, I, um, being on a Jewish court of law, I think would require ordination, right? That's right. where um, there are often, you know, disputes of a civil nature that, uh, that we will bring in a Jewish, you know, a quorum of three rabbis to officiate over. Um, and those things would require, you know, a rabbinic ordination of some kind. Divorce as a result of needing a quorum of, you know, of a court, um, would need ordination to be part of that quorum of people, you know, uh, affecting the divorce. Right, right. Right, things along those lines. But other than that, there's very, very little that requires ordination in order to perform. Yeah, right. Um, but you, you know, are one. You I am it. one, yes. <laughs> and you're not. No, I'm no, not, no, no, no. I'm not ordained, <laughs> exactly. Can you stop being a um, rabbi? Like, can you give it up? Or once so a rabbi, always It's a very rabbi. interesting. The, um, I remember when we got ordained and the, there was somebody who came in to administer the exam and uh, he told us, he was very strict with us. And he says, be careful. If I catch you doing things that you're not supposed to be doing, we will gladly come and take it away from you. Yeah, um, right. I know many people who have done things that they should not have done. And there are very, very, very few people who are stripped of their ordination. Okay. Um, okay. You know, it's, you may be stripped of your rabbinic affiliation or your affiliation in a rabbinic organization right, yeah. for an ethics violation. And, and that happens, uh, sadly, and it's what it is what it is. Um, yeah. But I don't really see a lot of people saying, well, now the wisdom is taken away from you, right? So you don't have that. You know? Right, right. Because that, yeah. that essentially is part of what ordination is, is saying you've taken and passed certain tests. Okay. Right. Okay. I would assume the same thing is true in the Anglican tradition as well. Yeah. It's an idea that you, what, what was passed on to us, we're passing on to you. And they, they have this ceremony yeah. of laying on of Absolutely. hands. Absolutely. Well, that's the same thing. So in Hebrew, um, the it's, referred to, it's referred to as smicha, right? Okay. And uh, th that is ordination. And, and smicha literally means the laying of hands. Yeah. Um, now, there's definitely an understanding that that tradition was lost, the original form of ordination of Moses yeah. to Joshua to, yeah. you know, whoever else down the chain. Um, and that what we have now is a, you know, pale imitation of it, but we still refer to it as smicha, as, uh, as we're in, in Hebrew. Okay. Uh, there is no more formal laying of hands on it. Um, some denominations do do that in some okay. way as a way of doing that, but even the Orthodox um, have really moved away from that notion of, you know, this formal ceremony of, of transfer of, uh, of leadership. Because our, our, the Christian ones generally will lead it back to Jesus uh, uh, <laughs> ordaining Peter. 
mm-hmm. the first uh, apostle who was then called the first priest. Mm-hmm. So that's the ordination. They don't really go back to Moses. They're, the tradition seems, they're, they're always trying to link to Peter. That's basically oh, interesting where that comes from. Yeah. And that's why he gets <laughs> to have an administrative job standing at the gate all day and ticking people off. That's right? why. Yeah. Because Jesus <laughs> says this in, in, in the gospels, he says, Peter, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. I bet and you so he had, had he known what the keys entailed, he'd be like, no, no, maybe you might want to uh, go with the. I don't give it to Luke. To give it to Timothy. Timothy, yeah, he deserves the keys to the game. <laughs> He's done a great job. Give it to him. <laughs> All right, so and we know that God has what's... a sense of humor because I haven't been struck down right now. Well, exactly. Oh, I'm very relaxed about that kind of stuff. Hey, I dropped the F bomb in front of uh, the most prestigious evangelical Christians in the there world. There you go. Um, yeah. <laughs> so what's so, your vision for this for this project that we're doing here? Like, so I think I think from? why don't we start? I mean, my vision is, you know, again, I'm I, I met so many people, and I don't know if this ever occurred to you, but at some point I had a conscious thought where I was like, oh, I meet Jews who know nothing about Christianity. Yeah. Um, even though as I've taught and as I've told them, um, you know, there are things that will make you a better Jew to know yeah. um, if you know as it from, you know, from, from Christianity, right? If you yeah. know that this thing exists in the, New, in the New Testament, if you know that this thing exists over the past thousand years, it's not that it's there to convince you to be Christian all of a sudden. It's no. all of a sudden going to make you a better Jew and make you a better person and you should yeah. know it. And people are afraid of that. And people just never, it's a blank wall. And I don't know if that exists in the reverse, but I assume so. Well, also though, there's also the baggage of that Jews are a minority in a, in a Christian majority culture, which has a history of being hostile. So for for now, right. (laughs) But like, so, (laughs) so I can imagine if I was Jewish and somebody said, Hey, have you ever paid attention to the Christian Bible? They'd be like, what the hell do I need that for? Like, cause it's, 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 it's a bigger deal to engage with Christianity. Whereas Christians can be like, it's almost as a source of like superior intellectual curiosity. They're like, Oh yeah, that's interesting. I can, mm-hmm. I'm secure. I can deal with Judaism. Like I just wonder whether the, the playing fields aren't totally. Probably, like, probably not point. even, but I'm curious, yeah. like what, what in that sense, what has your experience been? you know, well, my dealing with the, the day-to-day Christians, the average Christian, the lay population, so what is their relationship to Judaism? That they talk about Judaism all the time, or Jews all the time, but they don't have any contact with actual Jewish people. <laughs> so the relationship is that we have the New Testament and the Old Testament, and they're all considered the Bible, mm-hmm. and the Hebrew Scriptures is considered the Christian Bible, and they are quoted and read from and sung about all the time, multiple times a day in lots of Christian households. So, and the characters from the Hebrew Bible are completely seen as Christian characters. So Moses and Joshua, and they're just used all the time. It's part of our culture, right? And everybody knows that Jesus was Jewish. Like nobody's debating that except a couple of dumb people. <laughs> conservatives in America, <laughs> but like you know white supremacists but like n- nobody really like no normal christian we're all aware that our faith is deeply jewish in its roots and that everybody who wrote the bible from beginning to end was jewish and thought they were jewish and was writing to jewish people like that is something christians are aware of but all their experience of judaism will then come through the bible it's all that ancient 
kind of 2,000, 3,000 year old forms. And, and that's not Judaism as it's practiced anymore, right? Exactly. I, I like to point out to people, if you went, if you had a time machine and you went back in time 2,000 years yeah, um, and went into what was referred to then as a synagogue, right? Yeah. You would not understand Judaism. No. Right? Whereas not if you all. jump forward 500 years, yeah, right? The Judaism that is practiced 1,500 years ago is is very is much 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 closer right. right to what we have nowadays and if you go even 500 years future a thousand years ago right yeah. it's 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 very 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 close in terms of I mean, like the, think... the nuts and the day the, the 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 big picture of what judaism is is yeah. much closer but that only evolves over from 2000 years ago to a thousand years ago whereas the christianity that is in the bible is is the Ju judaism that's in the bible Jude, is bible, fundamentally yeah. different um, yeah. from the Judaism that is today. Well, and it's it, you should know that it's it's a mistake that Orthodox, especially ultra-Orthodox Jews make all the time. Yeah, right. That, and I'm, I, I will be the first one. I, I will say this. I'm sorry um, to somebody who's going to take issue with this. Um, but what they do is they assume that the Judaism that they're practicing today is exactly the Judaism yeah, right. that was practiced no, no, 3,000 years ago. Right. And yeah. so they'll put for their kids and, and they'll go and say that this is cute and they're not really don't really mean this. But you get the coloring books right of, of the Bible for little kids. And yeah. Moses is wearing a big black hat. Yeah, of course. <laughs> right. A fedora, a Russian, right. A Russian hat. <laughs> from the steps. no a fedora you know like, yeah you right know, like that's, uh, because of course moses was a chassid right like that that made perfect sense to everyone yeah, you course. know but like anyway yeah. so that's so that's a mistake that happens just as much right that we yeah. have to knowing the the, his, the historical nature and the historically evolving nature of religion i mean basically both of our religions judaism and christianity both emerged out of the same febrile period around the 70s right the 80s 70s when mm -hmm. the temple was destroyed by the romans and yeah so I mean, everybody so that's and, a piece that's important and we can probably even start with that you yeah. know that like the same moment that christianity is getting its legs so to speak yeah. is the moment that judaism shifts right there's this crisis right what happens when there is no temple yeah exactly right yeah. it's yeah. you know then uh, well, we have to shift, and so there's all these multiple possibilities, and the one that wins out is the one by Yohanan ben Zakkai, right? Who 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 goes and says, you know, give us give us the scholars and give us Yavna, give us Jamni and the North, right? And he takes yeah. and he, he he creates that shift from a uh, a cultural a cult based Judaism, meaning yeah. temple based Judaism, where it's about ritual and sacrifice, um, and you know it's not to, not to the exclusion of the other pieces, but that was the main feature mm -hmm. of religion then. And he shifts yeah. it to a rabbinic teaching, yeah. learning texts, study laws, and that's the basis for religion then. And that shifts the entire Judaism from the, from the Kohen, from the priest, right to the rabbi. Yeah, exactly. And actually, it's in Jamnia that we have some very early evidence that some of the earliest extra biblical evidence of Christianity. Actually, do you know about this? The curse. There's a Jamnia no, curse. No. So there's a, a, they've discovered a curse from the synagogue, which is cursed. They're basically ejecting anybody who follows Jesus. Interesting. It's a, it's a Jewish okay. curse against followers of Jesus. Interesting. And yeah. And they're like, oh, right. Okay. See, this is, there you go. It's I was happening. I, the, the I could just, I like to point out, and this will probably come up in the coming episodes, right? But I always like to point out the, um, that there are things that we know about Judaism um, that we only know, not only, but we know the earliest from, um, yeah. from the, from the, from the new Testament. So, exactly. so in the yeah. new Testament, um, Jesus is, uh, given a circumcision of eight days and is yeah. named, right. And that's actually the earliest 
yeah. uh, mention that we have, Jewish yeah. or not, for the custom of naming a child at the eighth day oh, of the, see, at the circumcision. I never knew that. That's there you so go. Great. Right. So, so we yeah. have Jewish sources for that, but they postdated by several hundred years. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so the fact that it's in the New Testament says that this must have been a practice and an established practice because they didn't yeah. have to name it as yeah. such, right, several hundred years earlier already. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff in the Gospels that are written with an assumption that the Jewish audience is, knows what's going on. Yeah. And then every once in a while, like Mark does this, he'll put in brackets and he'll explain yeah. something to his Gentile readers. And you realize, oh, yeah, this is written to a, a group of people that is like there's Jews and Gentiles together in one room or and mm -hmm. some of them know what's going on. And the other ones have to have it spelled out for them. And it's it's like a real window into the first century world of what that must have felt like. Yeah, I, I mean, if I had to start at a place that that's where I think it'd be interesting to start the best. Maybe we should spend the next few episodes, you know, on the Bible itself. Sort yep. of, you know, what's the Hebrew Bible? what do we care about it? What, what's in then conversely, you know, what's the new Testament? What, what are the different parts? What is, what does it mean to read the Bible um, on either side? What are things that we learn as Jews, as Christians from the Bible? How do we use it today? Um, mm. How was it used then? And how do we use it now? Um, I think that's a good launching point to, to get moving on that. Okay. Um, I think there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of fertile ground in the Bible itself. Um, the nature of why Jews don't use the Bible as much as Christians do, right? Yeah, that as a result, would be interesting. As a result of this, this scholarly, you know, shift, Yeah. right? If you shift to being the to a Talmud, a Mishnah, a rabbinic-based literature, then the Bible is there, um, but it's not used as much. Whereas in Christianity, all, you, all one has, I mean, not all one has, but the primary text yeah. still is the Bible. So therefore you read it all For the sure. time. Yeah. For sure. So, so yeah. all of these pieces, um, I'd love to explore that. And I'm sure that we'll have questions uh, um, that we will, uh, you know, come up with and figure those things out. I'm excited. What types of things, uh, let, let's hear. So we don't have to have the answers, but I'm curious your questions. What, what do you, what's, what's your curiosity about the Bible, about the Hebrew Bible? Um. I mean, I actually brought one up before. It was like, uh, like what? What is it when when we just call we call it the Old Testament? What does that mean? What does that make you feel like? Is that a, well? You know, I remember. Or do you call it the Old Testament as well? I didn't or? have a problem with it. I never had a really an issue because it was just like it's a word, whatever. It's the old one, and that's the yeah. new one. Okay, great. Um, but I really, I remember going uh, my first day in divinity school, and I had a professor say, "Well, we don't say the Old Testament anymore. We say the Hebrew Bible." And right. I noticed that in, you know, scholarly circles, everybody just refers yeah. to the Hebrew Bible. Um, who's yeah. the, you know, you know, one of my favorite uh, commentators, one of my favorite explicators, I would say, of the Bible is uh, John Barton, who is definitely not yeah. a Jew, right? And he, all his books refer to it as the Hebrew Bible, right? Karen Armstrong yeah, refers definitely. to it as the Hebrew Bible. Um, so that, yeah. in that sense, I think that it's better, not that I had a problem, not that it was worse or something beforehand, right? So... Um, so yeah. Jews just refer to it as, you know, the Bible, <laughs> the Bible. Okay. <laughs> um, good. But yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's, so if I, that's if I accidentally say I Old have, Testament, you don't think I'm making some ideological point. I think, you know, like, as I said before, if it's a, if it's a mistake, God will smite you down, you know, and yeah, that's, we'll true. know that that I'm, was, I'm ready know, that there it. was a problem. <laughs> oh, I guess you shouldn't have said that one. I was one too many <laughs> F-bombs. <laughs> Um, I'd also, I'd be interested, we don't have to do this now, but like, I would be interested in, um, in like, in your kind of da uh, daily practice of, like, do you have a daily practice of reading? Do you read for personal devotion? 
Uh, is it read just for teaching, for historical kind of interest? Like yeah, what's, so, what's the weight that you put on the reading of the Bible for yourself? So, yeah, that's a good question. I don't read the Bible every day necessarily. Um, yeah. There is some formal ways of reading the Bible. There are definitely groups that have formalized the reading of the Bible. Um, and we can talk about that more. Um, I definitely read and study every day, but it's not necessarily Bible-based because there's so much more, right? It's a more expansive diet, I guess I would say. And therefore I end up yeah. thinking much more about that. My daily ritual is often around many other things. I pray every day, which contains the Bible, te Bible texts in it. So in, in some way I engage with the Bible daily, you know, definitely. Um, yeah but I don't necessarily open it up to read and to study. Um, so like if you, were, that, yeah. if you were having a, I don't know, a fight with your wife, or if you're having a, 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 a you're wondering what decision to make about your career. You know, you she's also ordained, think, right? So that's, that's. Yeah, she's a rabbi as well, right? Like, well, you wouldn't we, we're not, think, we can oh, get into what that means because, uh, you know. Uh, oh, we'll talk about Anglicans and Jews and Orthodox and conservative and the, the nature of titles and stuff within uh, within different denominations. We can we can absolutely park, we, can, we can bracket that and park and we'll solve uh, everything. Yeah. But like, would you <laughs> anyways, ever turn yeah. to the script to, to the scriptures as a sort of a, a source of personal wisdom for what you need right now? Would you say like, Lord, help me with my decision, and then you open up the Psalms or you open up no, the book of no, Proverbs. I, I wouldn't do, do that. that. I, I mean, there are people that I'm sure would. Right. I don't fault them for that, but that is not my way of thinking. That being yeah. said, I, I, as I'm sure you have a repository of, of biblical wisdom in your head, right? And if something comes up that is akin to that, you know, that will ring true, that will rhyme, so to speak, with something that's going on in your yeah. life, that will come up, you know, and you'll be like, oh, yes, that's like that, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's, there are different types of Christians, right? I mean, there are a lot of magic book, a bit like a magic eight ball, you know, if, if you shake, you ask it a question, then you shake mm -hmm. it and you see what, you know what I'm talking about that? Oh, no, for sure. Yeah, yeah. They'll treat the Bible like that as a kind of a random magic book where they'll just open it up at random. And that, and because humans, because we are story generating beings and we're always making connections and, and random data points and things, I, you can actually sort of, get by mm -hmm. quite often on that kind of view but that's not the way i do it i mean I, I i think of it more like a repository of a tradition that i'm a part of that has helped to shape my imagination mm -hmm. so when i'm reading the bible i'm trying to think with the people who were who are experiencing those mm -hmm. things mm -hmm. in their time um so yeah i do read it but i don't I don't treat it like a kind of a soothsayer or a magic <laughs> item that's going to help me solve my problems yeah, in the moment. For sure. Um, but yeah. I might read it to remind myself of like, oh, what does. But we'll get, I'll, I'll get more into it next time, I think, with how we, yeah. you know, what is the formalized structure of reading the Bible and, you know, on a yeah. weekly basis and how we relate to it daily and where it crops up in daily life um, and where it doesn't, yeah. um, because there are other pieces as well. Um, so what are the main components of the Hebrew scriptures? So the Hebrew scriptures is formed of three main books, right? The Torah, right? Which is the five okay. books we refer to as the five books of Moses, the Nibiim, which is Hebrew for the prophets, um, which okay. is the next main section of all the books of the prophets. And then the Ketuvim is the writings, um, right? Which has, you know, Psalms and Proverbs and uh, Ecclesiastes. Okay. And, Things like that. So together, right? Because it's ta nach, right? Torah, Nevi'im, Ketuvim. That's where you get the term Tanakh. Okay. Tanakh is the term for the entire Hebrew Bible. When we say Torah, we mean either 
Torah either means one of two things. It either means the totality of Jewish wisdom, right? Let's go study some Torah together, right? And it could be Talmud, okay. it could be 19th century philosophy, of, you know, it could be, you know, studying the laws, all of these things, right? Or in a more focused sense, it means the, um, it, it means the five books of Moses. Oh, right? Genesis. Okay, so, so sometimes Torah is a stand-in for all Jewish wisdom, and sometimes yeah. it just means the specific, the Pentateuch or the yeah, five. Yeah, because it, 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 in Hebrew, it just means the teaching, right? Um, okay. And therefore, it's either the teaching that Moses gave, or it's the, uh, which is the Pentateuch, or it, it can sometimes refer to, like I said, any sort of teaching whatsoever. Does, does the teaching that Moses gave have priority, or is it on equal footing with something written in the 1600s? Oh no! It definitely would have some sort of priority in sense of okay. you know this is this is the word of God, right? This is what, okay. or at least you know, in the Orthodox understanding that this is either the literal word of God and the conservative understanding of the more liberal traditions. This is the inspired word of God. This is the word that humans wrote down over time that is inspired that has, and we can get into, you know, that <laughs> in very different ways. We have all these same conversations <laughs> in my circles. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's shorthand. I'm not going to, you know, I don't have to get into what my personal beliefs are. Just I'm explaining what's going on here. Um, yeah. The uh, it definitely, because it is that right. And um, in that sense, you know, we go to the source often, but the source doesn't always have exactly what we are looking for. That is when we move to more towards rabbinic writings, more towards other right. ideas and interpretations, commentaries and things along those lines. Um, the, yeah. the, the, the way that I, I, I would say is, uh, is, you know, and it's the shift from the world of prophecy to the world of interpretation, right? It's what it's, uh, you know, the world of the Tanakh, right? The world, Moses being a prophet, and the other prophets being prophets in their own way. The world of the Tanakh is the world of um, of the God speaking, right? When when we don't know what to do, God tells us this is the word of God. Now, what happens when God hangs up the phone and we no longer have that connection to God? We only have the existing words that God has spoken. Well, then that becomes right. interpretation. God has said, you know, this is okay. all that I am choosing to say. Everything can be found in it, and now you choose to interpret. Does anyone speculate why the phone got hung up? Sure, you know, but I think that that's, right. I choose to say that that's not necessarily relevant to my life, right? Yeah. I can say that right. that is, that is the, the canon and that is what it is and that's that. Yeah. Interestingly, canon, yeah. um, I'm not sure if you're aware or, you're, um, or the, the Christian listeners of this are aware, um, but the canon is ordered differently in the Hebrew Bible yeah. than it is in, the, in, in the Christian Bible. Right. If okay. You, I know it's different, but I don't know the differences. Well, so for example, right. you have Joshua judges Ruth, right? Yeah. You interpolate yeah. Ruth because it belongs in the time of the prophets, right? As it starts, as right. it was in the time of the prophets. Um, and the um, and the Hebrew Bible goes Joshua judges Samuel and leaves Ruth with the other, you know, books that are dealing with various holiday features, right? The book of Esther, the book of Ruth, okay. the book of Lamentations. Those are all stuck back in or put in the... Um, in the in the in the section dealing with writings, right? With Ketur. okay, right. So we have this more, uh, you know, that there's this skip, right, for Ruth. There's other pieces. So um, the, uh, the my, my favorite example of this is that we have to end, right? The Christian Bible has to end with uh, with Malachi, whereas the yeah. Jewish Bible ends with Chronicles, right? right? Because that is the 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 capstone is the recapitulation of everything, right? right. With the Christian Bible, you have to end with Malachi because the last verse of Malachi is what. The voice oh, crying in the wilderness. Yes. And what is the first verse of Matthew? 
Uh, now you've got me. I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> I don't know the first verse. Isn't that the first verse of the first Bible? It's the uh, word, right? No, that's John. In the beginning was the word. No, the, sorry. What's the go? Open up your Bible. What is the last so, verse of Malachi and the first verse of, of the New Testament? Okay. So I spend time in the book of Mark, which is where I spend. So let me see. The first book. The, the last. Book start with. The, start with. No, start with, with Malachi. End Malachi. The Malachi. Malachi ends, uh, and he will turn the hearts of his fathers to their children, and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Mm -hmm. and... Okay. and then Matthew starts, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Yeah. And there's so, a genealogy. Yeah. So, um, oh, sorry, go before. Sorry, before the striking, the, the, the first right before, right? It, it, I don't know. I can't believe I'm teaching you. This beautiful. Remember piece. the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Yeah, and then okay. I mean, the, the verses right before that. The uh, I'm going to open up my Malachi now. Behold, Elijah the prophet. There we go. The That's it. It's behold, behold, Elijah the prophet. I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Yeah, exactly. And then what so happens? Then, then well, then then is the birth of Jesus. Elijah the birth comes. Of Jesus. Right in. You know, if Elijah is the harbinger of the Christ, right, and then you go right into the birth of the Christ. So I start with Mark because Mark is the oldest gospel written, and I tend to ignore the the. the well, so that's why Jews, for example, put Ruth and Mark starts in this chronological place. Mark starts the beginning of the gospel of Jesus, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, but then he also quotes uh, some other people as well. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, which so, also connects. And then, and John the Baptist is seen as the mm -hmm. the, the Malachi figure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's the, the same the one. So you yeah. need to end with one to be able to poetically start yeah. the other. So so there are ex, there That's are funny. um there are reasons behind the order, right? That people don't realize. They just think it's just. So oh, why why is the Jewish Bible end with Chronicles? Because it's a recapitulation of of the history. The, I mean, you go and you history. You know, and think about it, it's it's the it's the ending point of everything. It's yeah. we've gone through the history, we've gone through these proverbs and these other wisdom literature and and poems of the Psalms, and well, we're going yeah. to end by starting with Adam and ending with you know Cyrus letting the Israelites back into Israel. Right, right, and right. that's it. And then that's it. And that's supposed to set the the kind of imagination going forward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wonder who did that. Who who was it that who was it that? So the rabbis don't talk about it Malachi a lot in. in rabbinic. Oh, who put Malachi? That's not my answer. That's that you got to answer that one for me. <laughs> I don't have the answers. <laughs> but for your for your lot for your Hebrew Bible, who so so there's no the discussion of the canon. There's there's there's, con, there's discussion about what gets put in and what gets left out. For okay. example, there was this, there's discussion of whether the Song of Songs should be put into, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, as an example, whether it belongs yeah. in the Bible or not. And well, it's holy and the, the Song of Songs is the holiest of, of all the books, right? And it's designed to sort of whether neutralize or sacralize this very erotic literature, um, yeah. right? So, so that, that is the discussion. And there are other discussions like this, but in terms of the order, um, it just seemed natural, I guess, to people that this was what the order was. I think that it evolved more over time than being a formal construction yeah. in that way. Yeah. 
Um, well, we will spend, let's, let's, uh, let's put a pin in it over there and let's uh, spend a lot more time getting uh, to know our Bibles, our respective Bibles um, for each other um, on future episodes. And uh, maybe we should lead each other in a Bible study of our favorite passages. There you go. Um, well, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I, it's funny because I like both the narrative passages. I like the book of uh, Samuel, for example, mm -hmm. which really should be the book of David, right? That to me is my favorite book because it's the making of a nation. It's the making of a people. Right. It's the making of a leader. Um, if, if I had to say that that's a book, that's always the book of Samuel is always huge for me. Um, and, uh, but I also like the wisdom literature just as much because they, they've got so many little cute nuggets of, of wisdom that are in there and the Song of Songs and the, the poetry of that um, is very fascinating to me. What, what should I read? I like Mark. I like the Gospel of Mark. Uh, apparently. <laughs> it's only 16 chapters long, 15 and a half. It's good fun. <laughs> it's very punchy. You can't have a half a chapter. <laughs> oh, it's a controversial ending. Yeah, half there's like an extra ending. Just... It's like I, when you know, my, my kids always say, you know, it's my half birthday. Can I have a half a cake? And I'm like, I can't have a half a cake. A half a cake is still a cake. <laughs> and even these chapters were made up after the fact. I mean, none of the writers were, wrote yeah. in chapter and verse. So um, it's just no chapters. A... Exactly. This is a big point of controversy within Jewish literature because they know that the chapters are not Jewish. Um, yeah. And they're, they're Christian in nature, but we still end up using them. Yeah. And they, they do affect interpretation they, they sort of capture our imagination sure, these chapter yeah, breaks and absolutely i always instruct my students to just basically ignore it and just say what happens if you just read it all as if there's no break and then mm -hmm. see what changes and there's a lot of good stuff there <laughs> yeah good um, all right well till next time we've right? got lots to cover we're got gonna lots talk to about cover protestants catholics ashkenazi sephardic do you believe Acids, in hell do you believe mystics. in heaven what do you think of Jews that don't wear the kippah? Yeah, I want to know that, what, right? What, what do what do Christians think about like the philosophers, right? Aquinas and Augustine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so many things. Um, I really want to know what do you think of Christians that like practice Passover and they adopt all. Well, we'll get into festivals. that. I'm sure. <laughs> this I hope will be the longest hyphen ever. Oh, this is a fun hyphen. This is going to be a good bridge to all sorts Excellent. of things. Well, until then, we'll see you soon. Farewell. This has been another episode of the Hyphen Podcast. Technical production is by Andre Goulet. Our theme music is by Christopher Marchand. We are part of the Jewish Living Lab Podcast Network. You can reach out to me, Stephen Backhouse, and listen to my podcast at tenttheology.com. And you can reach out to me and hear all my other podcasts at jewishlivinglab.com. I'm Avi Feingold. And I'm Stephen Backhouse. To further support the show, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on social media and learn more about Tenth Theology at www.tenththeology.com. Thank you for joining us and God bless everyone.